Welcome back. In this episode, we'll take a closer look at the risks dark kitchens pose to workers and why French unions have already started taking action. I'm now joined by our reporter, Mate. Hey, Michelangelo. And our reporter, Ivana. Thanks for having us. So... We know by now what dark kitchens are and why they seem to be the future of food delivery world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But as Rocky Balboa, I think, once said, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. Nice tie-in. Good uh, pop culture <laughs> reference. <laughs> okay, Mr. Sloan, let's keep it in the kitchen now. <laughs> so before we go completely off the rails here, I know that both of you have dealt extensively lately with the problems and risks posed by the emergence and spread of dark kitchens. So what have you found? So yeah, I wanted to dig deeper into the issue, so I got in touch with Nassim Hamidouche, a former delivery courier who was fired on September 3rd, 2019. I also sat down with Jérôme Pimot, a former driver for Deliveroo and co-founder of the Collective des Livreurs Autonomes Parisiennes, CLAP, a French workers' union that represents workers in the gig economy. They were basically telling me about the main issues couriers face in the industry, in addition to how these dark kitchens operate. What was kind of disturbing was that they likened dark kitchens to modern factories, like really something out of Karl Marx's worst nightmare. The place itself looks scary without giving you any inclination to enter it. It really is just some dystopian factory. But clients, when they see it on their app, they just think it's a nice restaurant when it's actually a big laboratory that's been optimized for getting the most value out of clients for the platforms. And you know, they were telling me that it all starts with the app. What we see on the glossy web pages of the apps of Deliveroo, Uber Eats, and all these platforms does not necessarily reflect reality. Sur l'application client, so the thing is, is that on the client app, all these restaurants are ranked in terms of their value, which means that when you open the app, the first 10 to 15 restaurants are the ones that are found in dark kitchens, and these are the ones that always have special promotions. So then Nassim told me about what actually goes on in the dark kitchens themselves. Yeah, and you know, I spoke with a couple of the people who work in these dark kitchens, and they aren't employees of Deliveroo, but of the restaurants who rent the places. They have the same profile of the delivery people, that is, people who are vulnerable, who don't necessarily speak French, who don't necessarily have all the documents, and you really need English, Arab, or Bengali to be able to speak with the most of them. And, you know, there are people who live in distress, always under duress and pressure to send the command as fast as possible. So yeah, Nassim was saying that the pressure within these dark kitchens is so great that the chefs will often end up validating an order before it's even ready. And now this screws over the drivers and not them, because it sends a signal that the order is ready for a pickup. When it actually isn't, then the drivers are forced to wait and wait and wait until the food is physically given to them. And any resultant delay in getting it to the customer screws them over and not the chefs. So I went to check out the delivery dark kitchen that Nassim and Jerome were telling me about in Saint-Ouen, a northern suburb of Paris. I didn't have access to the facility itself, so I was just waiting outside to talk with the cooks once they finished their shifts. Now, Nassim and Jerome had told me beforehand that they would probably be too scared and refuse to talk to me, and that's how it turned out. It was about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night when a group left, and when I approached one of them, he actually started off being very talkative and he was explaining what he was doing, but then as soon as the rest of the group caught up with him, he was shut down after they realized who I was and what was happening. Hello, so can I ask you a couple of questions about your job? 
Uh, don't worry, it's anonymous. It's impossible. Sorry, do you work in the delivery of dark kitchen? Yes? Do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions about uh, your work? Don't worry, it's anonymous. And the fear in this guy's eyes, holy Yeah, and in addition to make matters worse, as Jerome was telling me, this whole industry is not even that regulated. This isn't anything new if you look at the history of French workers' rights. In France, traditionally, there have been three sectors which have been severely underregulated: buildings, restaurants, and transportation. And this is where the fight for French workers' rights has been taking place. And it's no coincidence that today it is in these sectors that the platforms are establishing their businesses. So my take from that is that it's not really an optimal environment to work in. The question that comes to my mind, though, is, is something being done to fix it? Yeah, and that's the big question everyone has right now. The fight for unionization and the efforts to protect gig economy workers is currently in full swing. What is a, a normal day for a courier? So it starts uh, like everybody, you have to get up uh, earlier, early, like, uh, I don't know, like, um, I mean, early. Um, I am starting at uh, half past 11, but I'm, uh, I'm waking up at um, uh, generally uh, half past seven, um, stretching my muscles and uh, drinking a lot and uh, eating a lot also. Uh, because sometimes I don't have time to uh, have my uh, lunch uh, uh, pose. And uh, after that, it's uh, only getting uh, from a restaurant to, uh, to uh, a customer, for example. That was Edouard Denbassa, a delivery biker for Deliveroo, who has become a leader in CLAP, the union of gig economy workers we talked about earlier. I spoke to him about the difficulties of being a food delivery courier, how CLAP is trying to change things for workers connected to dark kitchens, and what he thinks could be the future of Deliveroo. But first, I wanted to know what it's like to be a delivery person for a company like Deliveroo or Uber Eats. For Edouard, the job is both exhausting and underpaid. Well, uh, the working conditions um, when you're a courier are bad because you're outside on your bicycles and it's a physical uh, job. It's, it getting, uh, it's, it's getting worse when you are uh, an independent worker because you don't have, uh, for example, you don't have uh, access to uh, um, the uh, an, an employment uh, insurance. All, all of this, you have um, a company that decides where you're going, where you're, you're delivering and for how much uh, and, and for your wages. And you can't say anything at all. So that's um, that's a very pre precarious uh, job. So, Ivana, let me jump in on this. You're saying to me that delivery people are not treated the same way that waiters are at restaurants? Exactly. Even with things as basic as tips. You might assume that people would want to tip the person that just biked 20 kilometers to give them their food, but that's rarely the case. 
even though we know that we would typically always tip someone who just walked a couple hundred feet to give you your plate at a restaurant. And another thing is, is that the wages paid to these couriers, from what Nassim and Jerome told me, which I'm sure Edouard echoed to you too, Ivana, are just not very high. They're really not. And according to Edouard, for most of his trips, he earns three to four euros. And that goes up to five or six only for the longest trips. And companies like Deliveroo and Uber Eats, he says, are constantly decreasing the salaries of their couriers. And his anger about the situation helped push him towards getting involved in CLAP in the first place. So something clearly has to change. But for the time being, things are the way they are because people who work in dark kitchens are usually immigrants or from marginalized communities. And this is also something that Edouard clearly pointed out as well. What I can tell that uh, the people in the dark kitchens, but also in the restaurants in Paris, uh, they are not, you know, normal workers. They are already like, uh, um, they are getting paid. Uh, in France, we say au black, so they are not uh, declared as normal workers. It's people, uh, you know, for whom uh, 200 euros per month is a fortune. Yeah, and it's a vicious cycle when you have a system in place that is feeding off of workers who can't afford to fight back. But this summer, there were protests in Paris by gig economy workers against the system. And one of their preferred tactics was actually blocking the entrances to dark kitchens in order to get attention for their cause. We blocked the dark kitchens a few times um, during the summer and uh, the early September. Uh, and uh, the, two, the two kitchens, Courbevoie and Saint-Ouen. Um, so the idea was to, to say to the other couriers, mainly couriers from suburbs, uh, that they have to organize if they don't want to to being paid like 50 cents for an order. Uh, and we told them that the idea to block the uh, uh, dark kitchen is uh, more effective than, you know, a few restaurants in uh, in uh, in Paris because there's, uh, as I told you, there's uh, like 15 uh, to 20 kitchens in the dark kitchens. So uh, if the, the, the orders don't go out, uh, Deliveroo will lose, you know, quite a lot of money. It's important to remember that Deliveroo, right now at least, is doing pretty well and has a lot of power. And this means that they could actually change the industry. And Edward certainly thinks that that's what they're trying and hoping to do. We think dark kitchens are, you know, dangerous for several several reasons. The first one is uh, dairy brew or uh, how to say they are collecting your your personal da data uh, to feed the algorithm. I think that the main the next step will be to you know to have their own restaurants for dairy brew. And do you think that could then mean a change in the restaurant industry in terms of like restaurants becoming replaced in some, yeah, in some capacity. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's that's the, the idea. That's yeah. the idea, yeah. That's fascinating and scary at the same time, I guess. So what's next for the workers in trying to fight dark kitchens? Well, Edouard says that they're not planning any new strikes for now, 
but they are trying to engage bigger political actors in their fight. So they're meeting with French senators and officials from Brussels um, to try to get more support on a bigger level. But honestly, Michelangelo, the rest remains to be seen. Yeah, but on the other hand, Nassim and Jerome were keen to stress that no real change will happen without the consumers themselves getting involved. Because they are the most valuable to these platforms, if they start reacting and impacting their profits, then they can force Deliveroo, Uber Eats, whichever platform to act. And as we know, it's money that makes the world go around. Thanks for listening. That's all for this episode of Dark Kitchen. Join us next time when our reporter Frank explores the Dark Kitchen scene in the UK. 